intention. God's intention in man. Okay, so this, um, this is the beginning of this series of times here on Thursday mornings. And they are called the infusion times. Okay, so get ready to be infused and to have a revolutionary concept put into your mind with this topic about God's intention. And actually, I would like, uh, Luis was telling me about this footnote in 1 Thessalonians 1 that uh, uses the word infused or infusion. So maybe, Luis, if you can read it to us. Uh, read the verse and then that section of the footnote. Yeah, tell us what footnote. Yes. Uh, it says, um, the structure of the genuine Christian life, a life constructed with faith, love, love, and hope. Such a life originates not from the ability of the believer's natural being, but from the infusion of what God in whom they will live is. Amen. The infusion. So praise the Lord for these times. And we only have uh, about uh, 30 minutes, right? Is that right, Tim? We need to stop at 11.45? Okay. So, uh, you know, in, in one of the team reunions, I believe it was in Puerto Rico, um, we uh, kind of summarized uh, the Christian life as a life of knowing him and make him known to others. So this is our life, brothers and sisters. We <clears throat> have the rest of our days here on earth to know him. Just like Paul told us in Philippians chapter 3. That was his desire, to know him. And to make him known to others. And of course, you know, that part of knowing him uh, implies to know him as a person, to know his intentions, to know his desires. And so uh, the title of the topic for this week is God's Intention in Men. And I just prepared a few slides as an opening word. And I do believe that what is contained in the next uh, few slides uh, encapsulates a revolutionary concept for our mentality. Natural man does not think like this. Okay, so I hope the Lord even comes this morning and renews our mind even more. So I have, first of all, uh, or maybe the, the lights, can somebody help us? Before you go on, could people put their devices away? Oh yes, okay, devices. You can't get infused by God if you're checking your emails. That's good, that's good. Okay, so devices off or airplane mode or whatever you want. <laughs> okay, so the lights, uh, that's going to help us to see more. So, 
Um, that's why I have the following verse. Maybe we can read Psalms 103, verse 7 together. Go. Okay, here we see uh, two kinds of knowledge. Uh, the children of Israel knew God's doings, that is his acts, but Moses knew God's ways. And to, knew, to know God's uh, doings is to know all the things that he accomplishes, the miracles, the wonders that he performs on our behalf. But this kind of knowledge is rather outward and shallow. Moses' knowledge, on the contrary, was more advanced than that of the children of Israel. He knew God's ways, which uh, is to know the principle by which God does things. But there is still a higher or deeper knowledge of God, and that is to know God himself. And that's why I like Daniel 11.32b. How about we read it together? Go. Okay, so we are here, all of us, loving the Lord, and we, of course, we are serving Him. But <clears throat> in our service, we need to be a group of people who not only know God's doings, but not only know God's ways. That is the principle by which he does things. But we need to go further and know God himself. Amen. And that means we, know, we need to know what are his intentions. What's his desire? What does he want? Why did he create the universe and the earth and man? And so in the next slide we can see a very marvelous quote that shows us what is God's desire. And maybe we can read all the, together this one. Go. In this universe, God desires to build himself into man and to build man into himself so that God and man may be mingled together to be one entity. I feel this quote is worth, you know, committing to memory. In this universe, God desires to build himself into man and to build man into himself so that God and man may be mingled together as one entity. This one entity, of course, is God's building, God's dwelling place. And so for the past 6,000 years, God has been working with that one corporate entity in view. Everything he has done among men is for that goal, okay? Now, the next uh, slide brings in the question, but how does God mingle himself with men? That's a good question. How does he do it? Okay. Well, the answer is very simple. It says that God mingles himself with us and becomes one with us by coming into us in the form of food to be our life. That's how he does it. He has to come to us or we may say we draw near to him and he presents to us 
presents himself to us as food, right? For us to eat. And this fact points to two very important things in the scriptures. Number one, the kind of relationship God wants to have with man. And number two, the purpose that God wants to accomplish. As far as the relationship, God wants to have a very intimate, intrinsic, affectionate relationship with man. And as far as his purpose, he wants to become our enjoyment so that by us partaking of him, he is wrought into our being so that he can get that mingled corporate entity, the house of God, his dwelling place. Okay? So, the best way for anything to be mingled with us is for it to be eaten by us. That is the best way. You know, you just came from a wonderful breakfast. Let's say I have an apple here. Right? That's your dessert, Hudson. An apple. And if you want to be mingled with that apple, the best way, actually the only way, is for that apple to be eaten by you. Right? Once you eat that apple, that apple will be organically right, received and digested and even assimilated by you so that the, the nutrients of that apple become your very fiber, your very being. Okay, so that's, that's, that's how God does it. Okay, so we need to remember one thing all together. How about we read that together? Go. That's why you have to remember this. God takes this one way. Brothers and sisters, you have to be impressed with this. In Genesis 1 and 2, God is, he wants to impress us with this fact. I am going to put all the eggs on one basket. Everything depends on this one thing. The whole thing, the, my purpose, my eternal purpose, will man eat the proper thing. Everything, brothers, is, is mind-blowing. Everything. God was willing to risk everything in just one thing. Will you eat the proper thing? That is impressive, brothers and sisters. So God takes this one way. He comes in the form of food to be eaten by us. Okay? Ah. <clears throat> okay, so then we have some, um, s sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's not working. Uh. Okay, so we have that here. 
which is the technological Let me go to where I was. Okay, so here we have some examples in the scriptures about this matter of um, the, the way God takes. So in Genesis 2, we have uh, the tree of life, right? And again, uh, after man was created, the first impression that God want, wanted to give man was that uh, he should... Take care of eating, drinking God. That's the, the impression, you see, from the very beginning, the tree of life. Then you go to Exodus 12, you have the Passover lamb. Um, after man fell, now uh, that tree of life had to become something else. That's the Passover lamb. And if the children of Israel will eat of that lamb, they will be strengthened to walk out of Egypt. Then you go to Exodus 16 and 17, and you have the manna and water. And as they were journeying through the wilderness, God sent manna from heaven and gave them to drink of the living water that came from the riven uh, rock. Okay. Then you have Joshua 5. Once the children of Israel entered into the good land, they began to eat of the produce of the good land. In 1 Kings 19, we have the case of a very discouraged prophet. That's Elijah. He's hiding. And then the angel of Jehovah came and showed him a cake and a jar of water and told him, Rise up and eat. And after he ate, Joshua was strengthened. And he, uh, how it says here, he went in the strength of that food. You see? In Isaiah 55, where it says, Eah! Right? He's calling us to do, some, to do something, to enjoy, to partake of wine, milk, breath. And he says, hear me attentively and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. And then we go to Jeremiah 15. That's the Lord's words. Your, your words were found and I ate them. Then in John chapter 6, the New Testament the Lord Jesus said that he is the bread of life and that he who eats him will live because of him. And we have 1st Peter chapter 2, the milk of the world. So after the believers are born of God as babes in chapter 1, now they need to grow. And the only way to grow is by feeding, by eating. And in that case, it is the milk of the world. Okay? So I hope you are convinced this is God's way to accomplish his purpose. That's his intention in man. Not only with man, but actually in man. He wants to become our inward, intrinsic constitution. And that's why we need, brothers and sisters, these times of infusion. God has an intention in man. Okay? Well, let's move on. <clears throat> I want to show you something marvelous. Um, you remember that in John chapter 6, the Lord comes as the bread of life. And for God to become our food and be eaten by us, He has to be processed. And John chapter 6, in a sequential way, shows us that marvelous process. It's amazing. When I saw it with the help of the recovery version, I was like, wow, that's awesome. In verse 33, He is incarnated. And you have the 
uh, fragment of the verse. The bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven. Then in verse 51, he's slain. Then in verse 56, he's resurrected to indwell. The footnote says that, you know, what it says, abides in me and I in him. The only way he can do that is after his resurrection, becoming the life-giving spirit to indwell us. Then in 62, he's ascended. And in 63, he becomes the life-giving spirit. It is the spirit who gives life. So to give us life, he is the spirit. But the spirit is uh, rather mysterious and untangible. Then the Lord moves on in 63b and speaks about the word because uh, he is embodied and realized in the word of life. The spirit is embodied in the word. Okay. To whom shall we go? Peter said, you have words of eternal life. So that sequence can be clearly seen in a diagram. You see A through F. He's incarnated, slain, resurrected to indwell, ascended. He becomes the spirit who gives life. And then he is embodied and realized as the word. And I draw those three circles with an open mouth. Because that's on our side. That's on our side, brothers and sisters. Uh, you see, uh, all these things that he went through, everything, all the steps, A through F, will come to nothing unless we partake of him, unless, unless we receive him. And we don't want to be those who waste the process. He ha our God has been processed. That's a marvelous truth in the Lord's recovery. But on our side, we have to be open. We have to come to Him. You know, we, I have these verses. Maybe you can write this in your outline. Luke 14, verses 16 and 16 through 18. Maybe we, we can go look at these verses. It's, it's amazing. Okay. And in verse 16 of Luke chapter 14, and he said to him, a certain man was making a great dinner and invited many. This certain man is God. He is making dinner. He has prepared. He went through all the steps. That was his cooking. That was his preparing the great dinner. A through F, okay? And he sent his slave at the dinner hour to say to those who have been invited, come. He's saying, come. Remember, last week I shared with you, we have to be coming and going Christians. This is the coming part. Every day, God is calling us. Jeremiah, every day, God is saying, come. Come, for all things are now ready. Everything is ready. God has been processed. He is the ready God. And he's calling us, come. Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, that's verse 18, began to make excuses. So, brothers and sisters, we have to come to him. He's calling us. Everything is ready. In his economy, all things are ready. And so, morning by morning, we have to attend to his calling and come to him. Right? We have to, I just feel, I just felt this morning as I was preparing these things, you know, we have to repent from our, from our excuses. 
And we have to ask the Lord to forgive us for our excuses. And then we have to ask the Lord, deliver me, save me from all my excuses. What excuses do we have, brothers and sisters? You see, God put everything, he was willing to put everything in one matter on our side, and that is to eat him. Everything depends on that. Okay? So before we go to the campus, before we go tabling, before we do all these things, we have to remember God is calling us. Amen. All things are ready. Come to the feast. Lord, deliver us from our excuses. Right? All the things that we put before you. Now, to finalize this, we have the testimony of George Mueller. Maybe, how about brothers, you read the first paragraph. Go. What about that? The first thing, the first order of business, brothers and sisters, is to have your soul happy in the Lord. Amen. Happy in the Lord. Okay, then sisters, the next paragraph. Oh, our inner man, every day, every morning, right? Our inner man needs to be nourished. So we have to come to him by means of the word. He is the spirit who gives life. But we need the word with the exercise of our spirit that we can receive his life. Okay? Then the last slide we have is another quote by Brother George Mueller. How about sisters? You, go, you read the first part. Go. Oh, you know, he wrote this when he was pretty old. And he said, he has been kept in happy, useful service. Don't you want that to be your experience? Yes. Trevor, happy, useful service. Yes. The more we go on, happy, useful service, because he was a lover of Holy Scripture. And then, brothers, the second paragraph. How about that, Ty? Do you want to be like that? A happy man? Happy, happy, happy. For 69 years. Reading the scriptures, in his case, four times a year. You know, as if he didn't have anything to do. Just read his biography. He had a lot of things to take care of, including orphanages and a lot of other things. But he found the way. He found the time. And that kept him in a happy, useful service all those many years. So may this become our experience too. Okay, now let us go to the outline. And maybe you can turn on the lights. Is that okay? Can we just... Um... <clears throat> we have more copies of the outlines. Anybody? Nils? Okay. Well, um... <clears throat> God's intention in man. 
Uh, and the, the structure of this outline, brothers and sisters, is very simple. And I just have a very few minutes to <coughs> highlight some remarks here. You have to see the structure of the outline. Three Roman numerals. There are two choices. Number one. And then Roman number two tells us what God wants. Okay? And then number three, what God forbids. That's it. Two choices. And with these two choices, we have two issues. Right there in your outline. And then the outline shows us what God desires, what he wants. That's related to the first three. And then what God forbids, that's related to the second tree. Okay, so let's take a look on this outline very quickly. Just have about seven minutes with you. So the two choices remaining in front of man, that's the tree of life. And what, number one, how about you read that together? Go. Signifying God as life to man. Okay, signifying God as life, that's, that's God's desire. He wants to be man's life. And when something becomes organically your life, like the breakfast that you just ate and it's causing you to fall asleep, that one makes you dependent. Do you realize that? Anything that you receive into you organically as life, right away makes you dependent on that, on that life. Right? That's, that's the key concept. So when God presents himself as the tree of life for man to eat, God wants man to depend on him. Man, God wants man to cling on him. Okay? So that's the issue, a dependent life. Okay? Dependent, the definition, unable to exist, sustain oneself. Right? Then the tree of knowledge, what does it signify? Number one, go ahead. That's right. And issues in an independent life. That is a life that does not require or relies or something else for its existence. You don't need, you don't require, you don't rely on anything else for your existence. Okay? So here you have the two choices with the two issues. Then number two shows us God wanting man to receive him as life by the way of eating. So here in this Roman numeral, we have the unique way to receive God as life into us. The unique way is eating. Okay? And also this Roman numeral is going to show us the unique food. You have two things here in this Roman numeral. You have to remember the unique way and the unique food. With a unique issue. The unique way is eating. Eating is the way. Even we have a song about eating being the way, right? And the unique food is God, as life to us. And this is God's first commandment to men, right? Was not about worshiping Him or serving Him, but about eating Him. That's the first commandment. Then letter B, how about you all read that together with the numbers? Go. Okay, so eating is critical because 
through eating, we put something outside of us into us to become one with us and even us. That's why it's critical. You're going to put, I mean, just, we do it since we were babies. That's why we're not impressed with it. But listen, something that is outside of us, you're going to put it inside of you. It's not like wearing clothes or a watch or a device outside of you. This is something that goes into you. And it's going to become one with you. And even it's going to become you. That's scary. If we slow down and think about it, we will take care more of our eating, even physically. Okay, I'm speaking physically. Okay? And it's something metabolic. That thing is eaten, digested, assimilated, and becomes a replacement of your old element. It replaces things. Listen, you know how, how often your taste buds are replaced? You get new taste buds every, how often? Every 10 to 14 days. Every 10 to 14 days. You know your lungs, the surface of your lungs, how often it gets renewed? Every two to three weeks. From where that element comes? From what you eat. From what you eat. You see how, that's why so many sicknesses, when you don't take care of your eating, a lot of things get affected. Okay? Your skin, you know, the epidermis. Every two to, uh, two to four weeks, a new thing. Just being renewed. Then your intestinal villi within you. Every two to three days. Renewed. Metabolically. Even your bones. Tim, your bones. Every ten years. Every ten years. So, from where those elements come? From your eating. That's why eating is so crucial, brothers and sisters. Okay? Now, let's go ahead and read uh, C, brothers, and D, sisters, and all together on E. Go. Eating. Amen, sisters. Yes, all together. Okay, so here you have the unique way. Eating, you have to underline that, the unique way. And after letter D, you have to write the unique food that is God. He is the real food. All other foods are the shadow. Okay? The real food to us is God himself. And we receive him by eating. So he's the unique food, and he has given us a unique way, and that unique way is by eating. Okay, then Roman number three, with this we finish. In a couple of minutes, God forbids man to eat the tree of knowledge. You can see that in Genesis 2.17. Letter A says, to eat the tree of knowledge being to receive Satan as an evil life into man's being. Okay? That's why man was deceived, was cheated, was directed to another source. And then letter B, how about you go ahead and read B together. Go. This is a warning, and this warning uh, indicates three things. This warning, okay, indicates three things. Indicates, number one, God's greatness, number two, God's love, and number three, God's desire. Just that one warning, okay? 
God, you have to see the picture, especially the younger ones among us, like Danny and Jeremiah. You have to see the picture. God put mainly um, men in front of two trees. Of course, there were other trees, but mainly two trees. And he doesn't say anything about the first one, but he gives a warning about the second one. What does that mean? That God wanted man to eat of the tree of life. Very simple. Even children can understand this picture. Okay? Okay, so <clears throat> God's greatness. Because God is so great. He's not a small man. You know, only a small person forces others to follow your opinion. But God is so great. He's so honorable. He will not force man to take the tree of life. That's his greatness. Okay? He only warned man not to eat the wrong tree. And indicates God's love to man. He had to give this warning because he loves us. He loves man. And he has a purpose. And then this indicates God's desire that man will eat of the tree of life to receive God into him as his life. So, brothers and sisters, I just hope you know that this um, brief message gives us a panoramic view of what is God's intention in man and the way he carries out that intention. And it's very simple. We have to eat God who has been processed and who day by day is calling us, come, all things are ready. Before you go to campus, come, all things are ready. Now the question is, Will you respond to God's call? I feel this message, message God is coming to call us, to remind us. In his economy, all things are ready. Just come. Come to the feast. Man's problem before God is not of behavior or conduct. Man's problem before God is of eating. That's the problem. It's not behavior. It's not conduct. That's the focus of religion. Man's real problem, man's unique problem before God is of eating. That's the thing. Okay? How about we pray with our neighbor for the worst?